Happy New Year's Eve, creeps. In a year as horrifying as 2020, we decided to sit down and talk about some of our favorite 2020 horror films. The girls who cried be horror. It's the only thing that has brought me any semblance of joy this year. Oh, I know. I mean, that's why being a horror fan is always so rewarding, I guess. Because it's just like every year, even when there's bad horror movies or movies I don't care for, there's also always good horror movies. Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen sometimes people be like, oh, you know, this year was such a bad year for horror. I have never experienced that. Well, I think it's, it's just because, like you're not looking hard enough if that's the yeah, case. We watch so many horror movies that we're bound to watch a ton of trash, but we're also bound to find some like really amazing hidden gems. And... I mean, there's always a few, like, big ones that come out that are amazing. Honestly, by the end of 2020, I'm so worn out from trying to watch all of the, like, big Oscar movies that when that January trash fest horror releases start coming out, I am so happy. Mm-hmm. I love bad January horror. Ooh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, a palate cleanser. I just want something mind-numbing at that point. Um, but yeah, so... This is a mini-sode uh, of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Welcome, everybody. I am Anya. I am Alex. Um, and this is a, a mini-sode that we're probably going to end up doing every year, in which we reflect back on the year in horror. Um, not necessarily anything to do with our podcast or movies that we covered, but, you know, just releases from that year. Um, today, what we'll be doing, um, to map it all out for you, is we will each be taking or picking five horror movies um, that we liked from this year. So to be clear before we start, these are not presented in any order or ranking. Um, these are not per se, like, our top five, just because there are overlapping choices that we have. So we had to, you know, try to keep it diverse, so we picked five different ones each. Um... And it's just like, you know, five that we thought would be fun to talk about. We'll be doing that. We will be uh, both presenting a film that we are excited for in the coming year. And we'll both be presenting, actually, I'll keep that one a secret. We'll get to it when we get to it. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited to do this. Alex, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm so excited. I love talking about movies that excite me. Also, we're going to do our very, very best to be spoiler free here. I know that we do a lot of heavy spoilers in our regular episodes, but... A lot of these films aren't currently streaming anywhere for free, um, and I know at least for me, I'm very cheap, and so I will only I'll wait for something to be free. So I want people to be able to listen to these and just take our recommendations and not feel like we have ruined the movie for you, so you can still go out and watch it. Um, so we will be doing our very best. So feel free to listen to any of these if you haven't seen the movies. It's just going to be basic plot and then what we thought about it. I mean, yeah, base, we're doing 10 movies total and then, like, a few extras. So, like, we don't have the time to do spoiler-heavy shit because it would take too long. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're recommending these to you. These are our favorites from the year. So, like, we want you to go watch them. We don't want to spoil them for you. Um, but we'll tell you if they're available streaming anywhere. If not, um, they are available to rent. Um, if you're feeling bougie. And, we rec- honestly, for these films, we recommend because they're the best of the best. Um, all right. Should we just jump right into it do you want to start sure oh my gosh so exciting okay well the (laughs) first film that i will recommend from 2020 is a guatemalan film called la llorona that is currently streaming on shutter now la llorona is a supernatural you know 
tale that I'm sure a lot of people know about. There's a lot of different variations on the story. Um, La Llorona translates to weeping woman. The I feel like the story that most like Western Americanized cultures um, know is that it's about a woman who upon discovering that her husband has cheated on her in her grief kills her two children by drowning them in the river and then upon realizing what she has done kills herself and so her spirit lingers desperately looking for her children and in her grief takes other people's children and then kills them so that is you know the basic La Llorona story that's the story that is presented in the Lumhouse's The Curse of La Llorona um so if you want something very straightforward ghostly I would say that one would be more up your alley than this iteration but this version of La Llorona is very much grounded in reality um and it's very it's more of a familial drama honestly than it is um a ghost story there's definitely some ghostly elements to it but it focuses on the patriarch of a family in uh, Guatemala who is essentially he's a war criminal and he has been put on trial for genocide of a particular part of his community and he's just viciously hated by everybody and it's about him and his, the women in his life his daughter his his wife and their children and them kind of trying to come to terms with the fact that this man that they love so much might actually be a horrible person um and that's the base of the film it's very much just a family drama which i really enjoy in horror i like when something can start off as one thing and become something else and when we introduce a new maid to the story um, named Alma things get a little bit ghostly and that's all I'm gonna leave it at uh, it's very atmospheric it's very simple um, it kind of reminds me in a sense of uh, Pan's Labyrinth only in the sense that like it focuses on like a really cruel dictator and the supernatural females around it so I feel like Pan's Labyrinth, I would recommend La Llorona because it has a lot of similar themes. Um, but yeah, it's just very just very well made, very well acted. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's on Shutter. Yeah, I thought it was beautifully shot. It, it looks gorgeous. So gorgeous. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, that's number one recommendation out of the way. Okay. My first choice for a favorite horror film of the year, you already know, is The Invisible Man. Ooh, so I love that you're stars. going. You're going like I know you're number one, and I'm going backwards. Very interesting. Oh yes. Well, to be clear, none of these are ranked correctly for me. Although I will say, The Invisible Man is my is. I will say this. I will confess this. Is my favorite horror film of the year, and it's my favorite film flat out of the year. Hell yeah! Um, I think it's my third, uh, third or fourth of the year. But Invisible Man stars Elizabeth Moss. Y'all know her. Um, our king, Oliver Jackson Cohen. <laughs> um, it also has, and forgive me, I'm going to say this now. If I mispronounce anybody's names in this episode, as usual, um, I apologize. I'm doing my best. As someone who has a name that is written nothing like it, like, pronounces, I get it. And I'm sorry that I can't do better. Um, but it also stars uh, Aldis Hodge, who's from Straight Outta Compton, What Men Want, uh, Storm Reed, who plays Zendaya's younger sister in Euphoria. It is directed by Lee Whannell, who is a favorite here on the podcast. He's known, obviously, for the Saw and Insidious films. Um, the movie is about, essentially, like, it's a remaking of the original Invisible Man film, the universal classic monster movie. Um... And it follows Elizabeth Moss' character, and essentially she's in an abusive relationship with Oliver Jackson Cohen's character. She escapes from that, but he's a mad scientist who has created a, um, a suit 
um, that allows him to be invisible. Um, and of course, he he fakes his own death. And essentially from the rest of the movie on, she's convinced that he is still alive. He is still following her. He is tormenting her. And of course, nobody believes her. So everyone thinks she's slowly going mad, that she's insane. Um, overall, it's a movie about believing women. Um, it's so powerful in its messaging. But even beyond that, as a horror film, incredible. I remember when the trailer came out. I well before this the only other reimagining of a universal monster movie that had come out was the Tom Cruise mummy movie which did not do well which was not received well um and they're they're trying to make a dark universe over there as far as I'm aware because they want to remake all the classic monster movies and I guess have them overlap I don't really know they're trying to do an Avengers endgame type shit whatever um but so when this came out it was like oh, oh god it's gonna be another bad one and the trailer wasn't bad but the trailer was like okay it was fine in the best way possible, the trailer did not do the film justice. Uh, like, my heart almost fell out of my fucking asshole the entire movie. I was clenching the seat. It was so suspenseful. And it's just, all the whole movie is a perfect display of, like, how to do great jump scares. How to have earned twists. How to build tension so effectively. And to avoid giving any spoilers, because there are some incredible scenes in this movie that, like, I can think of one in particular, and I'm sure you're thinking of the same one as me, Alex, that when it happened, I, I was, I gasped out loud, and it is very rare that a movie makes me do that. Like, I, like, nearly shrieked. Um, so I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. I, as I said, it's my number one film of the year. It is an incredible horror film. Lee Winnell continues to prove himself as an incredible horror creator, um, and yeah, that's easily, easily one of my picks. Yeah, Invisible Man is so well made. Like you said, the jump scares are so fucking good and effective. And honestly, if this does not get nominated for Best Original Score, I'm going to throw a fit because it's so fucking good. Well, it's so frustrating because we've talked about this many times and I don't want to spend too long on it because I could go on forever. But it's just like horror in general is not a respected genre, which is so frustrating. I We know. We can't even get into it. But especially at the Oscars, like, you know, at, for an Academy Award, it's like, oh, you'd never consider horror. That's why when Get Out got nominated, I lost my fucking mind. I mean, Get Out was an incredible movie and I wanted it to get recognition, but just on the basis of, like, horror being able to get recognized as, like, a respectable medium because it is. People love to think of horror as, like, oh, well, it's trashy jump scares. But I... I I urge those people that think that, okay, take a step back and look at any other genre. Any other genre. There are great movies in that genre. Are there really, really shitty movies? Are there really, really movies that, like, play on, like, obvious tropes of that genre that you go, oh, yeah, of course. Yes. Does that discredit the entire genre? No. So before you keep putting out there that you think horror is just cheap jump scares, take a step back and look at every other film genre and then reevaluate. Yeah, because, like, even when the Oscars do recognize horror films like Silence of the Lambs, they have to be like, well, no, it's a thriller. It's a psychological thriller. And I'm like, oh, that's just, my God, I know. That's just a subgenre of horror. Horror is probably the most diverse genre of film because there are so many different subgenres within horror and you can do so much with it. Like Hereditary. Hereditary is a family drama that is also a horror film. Like, mm-hmm. and same thing with Midsummer. It's about a relationship. It's just, it's so layered and diverse and for people to discredit it it's just ignorant and it's stupid and I hate it and I want more recognition so I would love original score to go to Invisible Man because even me I don't recognize I never pick up on scores it's just like not something I really think about but this film I was like ooh, this ooky spooky score I'm fucking with it 
Oh, so good. Ah, we can only <sighs> hope and pray. Yeah. So if you were one of the very few people who has probably not seen Invisible Man yet, you should go check out Invisible Man. Oh, highly recommend. I do not believe it's actually, I think it's streaming now on HBO. Good. I hope it is. Actually, I think it is because I watched it with my mom recently. Amazing. Okay. My second film that I'm going to recommend is called Vivarium. It is currently streaming on Prime, if you have Amazon Prime. Um, it stars Imogen Poots, who I really, really like. I think she is a great upcoming actress. I mean, she's been around for a while, but I feel like she's really, like, getting her name out there now. Um, and Jesse Eisenberg, who I am not a huge fan of, but I allow it. Um, and they play Gemma and Tom, who are a young couple looking to buy a house together. And they go to this, like, Radio Shack-esque store that is just for this gated suburban community called Yonder, where this very creepy salesman named Martin, who is this, like, very tall, skinny white dude with slicked back black hair and a very weird way of speaking and physically moving it's he kind of reminds me of like if an alien or a robot was like trying to be a human like what they think humans look like and talk like um he's very unsettling and he brings them to this community to check out a house which they're already not really interested in because it's creepy and weird and every house looks the same uh but pretty quickly i think within like the first 15 minutes of the film they get trapped in this labyrinth like maze of these suburban houses and manicured lawns and this like utopian society where nobody else exists and they have to struggle between trying to escape and trying to form some kind of life there. Uh, a lot of really weird creepy things happen. We are introduced to another character that I'm not going to talk too much about. Um, a small child who grows very quickly and has very similar mannerisms as Martin where a lot of what he does is very unsettling and creepy and uncanny. And it's it's at times very weird and at times very funny. Uh, I like a film that I'm not sure if I should like cringe or laugh at sometimes. Um, and it's just like a perfect quarantine movie, I think, because what like what other time in our life, hopefully, will we be kind of stuck inside our house and not be able to really go anywhere and it can really help you relate to the stress and the struggle that <clears throat> Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg have to go through in this weird little society so yeah Vivarium is spooky it's weird it's funny it's original as fuck I've never seen anything like it which you know is a big feat because a lot of shit is just recycled but I think Vivarium is very very unique and I think that you should check it out because if, if nothing else, you're going to have a fun time. You, you'll lose people to say you saw something interesting. And I think if you stray more toward being a, like, sci-fi horror lover, it's definitely got a lot of sci-fi elements to it. It also reminded me of, strangely enough, the Cat in the Hat movie with Mike Myers. <laughs> sure. In in its unsettling factors, it, when you if you've seen the Cat in the Hat movie and you watch Vivarium, I guarantee you you'll know exactly what I'm saying. You will understand completely. Um, wonderful choice. Wonderful Thank choice. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was like one of the first things I watched when quarantine hit, and it was exactly what I needed. It was great. Um, my next choice is actually surprised me because you, Alex, are a lover of anthology horror. Um, you tend to like it more than I do. I'm more of a found footage gal. Um, and my next choice is an anthology horror film. Um, my next choice is Scare Package. 
Um, it is available on Shudder. It stars um, a lot of people because there's a it's an anthology. So just two that I'll point out is horror icon Joe Bob Briggs makes an appearance, and we love that. Um, but also it has Noah Segan, who you guys might know from Knives Out, or if you're a horror fan, Starry Eyes. Um, essentially, it is seven stories, and in, that includes the the grand story that kind of connects it all together. Um, Essentially, the premise, the the overarching story is there's a video store called Rad Chad's Horror Emporium. It is absolutely my dream place to work. Um, and essentially, he hires this new guy, and he's kind of teaching him the ropes of um, horror movies and, like, tropes and stuff like that. So then when you go on these segments of, like, oh, they put in a tape or something, and they go to this horror movie, or, oh, my God, you've never seen this horror movie? It's about this. And then they cut to it. Um, usually, they play on like horror tropes and stereotypes and stuff like that in really fun and inventive ways um sometimes I can feel when any kind of horror movie does that you know because scream and things like that do it so perfectly that it can kind of be like okay it feels like I'm being hit over the head but this one I just found to be so delightful I found it so funny um the first story in the movie well actually not no excuse me the second story technically in the film it's called one time in the woods is easily my favorite. Um, I literally laughed out loud, which once again is something I do not do often, even if I think something's funny. Um, it's just, it's so goofy and it's clearly made by people who love the genre, which I really, really appreciate. Um, it's really creative. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't really say much more without giving anything away. And it's hard in general to talk about an anthology briefly because as I said, there's seven different stories. But I think, um, as always with an anthology, you know, you might not love every single one of the stories, but I think that there are stories in there for everyone to enjoy. I think it's really, really fun. Um, I cannot recommend enough. Um, and you know what? If Joe Bob Briggs thinks it's good enough to be in and do on the last drive-in, then that's fucking good enough for me. So that is my second pick. Amazing. I need to rewatch Scare Package because I remember the story you're talking about in the woods, and I liked that one a lot. I thought it was really <laughs> different. Um... But I don't particularly remember a ton of them, so I need to go back and rewatch it. I know I liked it, but I think that's why I love anthology films, because even if you do get a couple duds in there, at least you know that you only have to sit through it for 20 minutes, and then you can maybe have an opportunity to get something else that you're going to really enjoy. Whereas, like, if I turn on a, a feature-length film that sucks, I have to sit through it for an hour and a half. At least in anthology, I get multiple opportunities for enjoyment. I love a good anthology, so I'm so glad you picked one. Because I didn't this year. I mean, One Time in the Woods was so good that I literally bought a t-shirt of it from Fright Rags. Did you really? <laughs> yes, that's one of the ones that I bought when they had their Black Friday sale. Oh, shout out to Fright Rags. Love them. I do love Fright Rags. All right, Alex, what do you have next? All right. So this one, this one is probably going to be my longest. It's a little bit complicated, but you need background information. So... My third choice is called The Wolf House, which is also known as La Casa Lobo. It is an animated film that I classify as also as horror because of the background and also a lot of the animation is very unsettling. It's very creepy and melancholy and I, oh, I'm not a huge animation person in general, but animation like this, I fuck with so hard. Um, so I guess I'll talk about the animation first, which is that it's probably, I'm not like being hyperbolic, it's probably some of the greatest animation I've ever seen. It took over five years for them to make this film. It's only an hour and eight minutes long without credits. And the way that they 
designed it is it's a lot of the animation is just drawn on walls in small rooms and it's stop motion so they're constantly just painting over the image and then it gives the illusion of movement and depth and they they use real props like desks and shelves in addition to the paint on the walls they use paper mache uh to make little people and pigs that are constantly like morphing and changing and becoming one with furniture it's very very strange um it's so unusual that the first time I watched it I didn't fully understand the plot but I didn't care because the animation was so gorgeous to look at um and I have a quote from a critic from RogerEber.com that I thought really described the animation well so I just want to read that which it says characters decompose and reform without warning as the design of the surrounding space continues to shift heightening our disorientation at every turn painted figures suddenly turn three-dimensional and inanimate objects prove to have as much life as the laughing furniture in Evil Dead 2. So I think that's a really great way to explain visually what's going on. Um, mm. So yeah, if, you, if you're just a fan of animation in general, you should seek this film out because it's a feat and it's incredible. If this is not at least nominated for an Academy Award, I will be baffled because it's just so impressive. Um, but the plot of the film is, this is where it gets a little bit complicated. Um, so the film begins with a voiceover of a man discussing the community that he lives in and that he is trying to tell the audience about. He's saying, you know, we live in this small community together. It's very peaceful. We are one with nature. We are united. And unfortunately, the media has presented us as being something that we are not, we have gotten a bad name, so we want to show you who we are by presenting you this film that we found that represents us. So essentially, it's a propaganda film to try to incite more people to join this community. And the basic plot is about this little girl named Maria, who oh, also this is a Spanish language film. I didn't say that. Um, it's about Maria, who accidentally lets three pigs escape from the community. And rather than getting punished, she escapes because she doesn't want to get punished. And while she's running in the woods, she's afraid of the wolf that lives there. So she takes refuge in this house where she finds two of the pigs that she had let escape. And she decides, well, I'm going to start my own community here in this house with these pigs. And I'm going to turn them into humans and they're going to be my lifelong companions. And that's the basic plot of the film. And if you don't know anything about this community, it's like, okay, this is like a cautionary tale about like leaving the community and how like you need to be one with everyone and we're all together and safe and peaceful but in reality this is based on a real community called colonia dignidad which is a cult that started post-world war ii that was run by uh the military and nazis that escaped and fled to chile it was run specifically by a man named paul schaefer who was a known child molester who had been accused and was being tried for child abuse and so he escaped and created this community this cult where he kidnapped over 100 children and brought them here. He abused them sexually and physically. He enforced torture, such as electroshock therapy, sedatives, attack dogs, to keep the people in the community in line. Um, Joseph Mengele, who was known as the Angel of Death during World War II, who did a lot of those like experiments on people, he also lived in this community. He is, was one of the main people who enacted these torture devices on people. The camp was enclosed in this barbed wire fence so that people couldn't escape, although 
Some people did, which is how we know about it, because they le- they left and then they told everybody about this self-proclaimed utopia that is actually essentially a prison and a concentration camp. So while this film presents itself as being like, oh no, hey, you should come join our community because we're so wonderful and here's a cautionary tale about what happens if you leave our community. The filmmakers are essentially just bringing to light this horrible, horrible cult that has existed since the 40s and is still currently running today. Although they have, they said that, you know, they've made, made a lot of changes and it's not the same anymore. People can leave if they want to. But essentially, this is just this horrible, murderous, military-run community that is, there's like, there's a documentary, not a documentary, a podcast that Celia had told me about that really focuses a lot. There's like three episodes on it. I can't remember what it's called at this moment, so that's not helpful, but um, I'm sure you can find a lot of information on this cult if you're interested in it. Um, It's really upsetting, but I think having that background going into the film is really important because then you can understand the plot a lot clearer about what's going on and the motivations of everybody. Um, But like I said, it's a very, very excellent film. The animation is astounding. The... It's, it's creepy, it's weird, it's it's just something unlike anything I've seen before, and I highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah, I mean, when I watched it, I, like, literally could not look away. It was, it's terrifying almost to look at. Mm, yeah. I think I said in my letterbox review something along the lines of, like, it literally feels like when you're, like, up late at night on YouTube at, like, 3 a.m. and you, like, fucking are deep in it, and you're on the weird side, and you find a video and you watch it, and you're like... Mm, feels like I shouldn't have done that feels like now I'm cursed that's literally what this feels like but if you're fucking into that you're gonna love this and just on a basis like you were saying like the animation is incredible just like watching it and being like oh my god this is so inventive this is so creative and then just taking a step further and being like oh my god and knowing that like people had to create this over five years like oh my god like if it doesn't get nominated for best animated feature just like at the very least get a fucking nomination for just like the feat in animation that it is I I will be baffled so yeah I mean it's absolutely a fever dream like I just yeah my eyes were just like stuck to the tv for the full runtime the first time I watched it um and I forgot to say it's not currently streaming anywhere for anywhere for free but you can rent it on prime voodoo or youtube for $3.99 and I think it is very much worth the four dollars all righty well my third pick is another one that came as a shock to me with how much I liked it which is color out of space which is available as well on Shudder. So this one stars uh, Nicolas Cage. Y'all fucking know him. You love him. Tommy Chong. I hope you guys know who that is. Madeline Arthur from the To All the Boys I Love Before series. Julian Hilliard, which is our little baby from Hill House, uh, who plays young Luke. We have um, Jolie Richards, excuse me, Jolie Richardson, um, who I believe starred in The Turning, which is another film that came out this year surprisingly enough another film that came out this year that was um based on the same story as Bly Manor so it all comes full circle um and Brendan Meyer from a favorite of mine The Guest um it is directed by Richard Stanley um this is the first film that he has directed since he was fired from directing The Island of Dr. Moreau in 1996 if you're familiar with The Island of Dr. Moreau you know that shit is crazy um and this story, Color About Face, is based off of the H.P. Lovecraft story of the same name. And I guess Richard Stanley has already said that he wants to make a Lovecraft trilogy of adaptations. This one being the first one, and I guess the follow-up to this, he wants to do the Dunwich Horror. But what I will say is, so the movie essentially, if you know the story of 
the college fish already know it, but very broadly, it is essentially this family living in this farmhouse. They've just moved in, and this like meteor crashes down into their yard. No one's killed, nothing, but it's got this like colorful beautiful purple glow and essentially the longer it sits in their yard and like radiates it's whatever into the atmosphere the crazier this family goes um it like slowly drives them insane after a while we get some crazy insane sci-fi like transformation shit I don't want to spoil anything once again this is one where there was a scene in it where I saw it and I was like holy fucking shit um but I think going into it because um, I was personally not a fan of Mandy. I'm not going to shit on Mandy. It just was not for me. And that was obviously a huge – I mean, we all know that Nick Cage makes some choices with his career. You know, as long as he's happy and he's making money, he's not bothering me. Um, but, you know, does a lot of stuff that I'm probably not interested in and will never watch. Um, unless he finally does National Treasure 3. Come on now. Um, but – Mandy came out and obviously that was a huge phenomenon everyone loved it I was really excited for it I saw it It wasn't for me so I was like oh damn so when this came out and it kind of felt like it might be in the same vein I mean colorful wise it looks similar it's got Nick Cage it's got Nick Cage going a little loco so I was like I mean I'm obviously gonna watch I'm gonna give it a chance um but I don't know and I was shocked I mean Nick Cage still makes some Nick Cage choices in this film but be even beyond that like overall it doesn't affect anything for me I wasn't like oh well this sucks now like I think it's really good once again if you're really into like sci-fi or lovecrafty and horror you you'll love this it's so good I thought that all of the characters were really believable especially as a family unit which of course then when they start to be like destroyed it makes their destruction even more like devastating because you believe them as a family um and I thought the practical effects mixed with the visual effects were really well done, which is really hard to find nowadays. And it ended up helping the film instead of hindering it. Because a lot of times, as we've talked about in this podcast, we're definitely fans of practical effects over visual. But we also appreciate what visual effects can do. So finding a harmony with that is something that I feel like a lot of directors and creators can't do or haven't done yet. And to see it done here was really, really refreshing. And yeah, I mean, that's all I'll say once again to avoid spoilers. But it's... It's it's a wild ride. If you like Nick Cage being crazy, you're going to love it. As I said, if you love Lovecrafting horror or weird sci-fi horror, you're going to love it. If you like pretty colors, you're going to love it. Um, or if you're just base, you know, a horror fan, I think you're going to love it. So really surprising for me how much I love this one, but I loved it. So I'm going to promote it. Um, that is my third pick. Yeah, I also had the exact same uh, hesitations going into it because I also do not care for Mandy. And yeah, it has the same aesthetic, has the Nick Cage shit. And so I, and I'm also, you know, I'm not a huge um, sci-fi horror person. Like I, there's some sci-fi horror I really enjoy, but it's not my shtick. So I waited a long time to see this one, like way too long. And I was so surprised. It was actually going to be one of my picks. Um, It was one of my alternates if... You had chosen any of my other films, so I'm so glad that you picked it. Um, The body horror that happens was so unexpected for me that it hit extra hard. There are a few different moments of practical effects that, like, made me cringe and be kind of, like, like, go inside myself. It was just way more vicious than I expected it to be, and I fucking respect it. I thought it was a really great time. And I also recommend it. So good choice. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My fourth pick is what, honestly, I have one film after it that is just like, it's my number one because it lives rent free in my mind. 
But this film, I, I think, is probably the best horror film of the year in terms of story and just how well it was made. So my fourth pick is Possessor, directed by Brandon Cronenberg, the son of David Cronenberg. This is his second feature. I have not seen his first, although I have not heard the greatest things about it, but I will probably check it out at some point. Um, but Possessor stars Andrea Riseborough, who I think is an incredible actress, and I think she's criminally underrated. Uh, she plays a woman named Tazia Voss, and it's a very simple story, but it's presented in such a complex way that it seems really complicated the first time I saw it, and the second time I, I viewed it, I was able to understand the plot so much more clearly. So I really do think this is a film that... Um, benefits from multiple viewings I so essentially she plays Tazia and she is a an assassin who works for this company the secret organization that is paid by these like high up clients like really important people who want to have people assassinated whether it be politicians CEOs of companies you know their ex-wife who fucking cares and this company will kidnap somebody close to that person and implant this brain chip into them that will allow Tazia to essentially take over their body and perform the assassination. So it's like a mind control. It's very weird. She like gets put in this like, she gets put on this like bed with this like thing on her face and then she becomes that person through the, the brain chip and she's able to kill people. And it's really, really vicious, um, but it's also really beautiful. Um, and the film really just follows her as she is, you know, doing her job, but also struggling between trying to balance being an assassin and having a husband and son that she needs to be there for and take care of and trying to balance that work family life and seeing how, you know, they don't really mesh because, you know, how can you be a loving mom and also a murderer at the same time? It, those kind of conflict. So... That is the basic plot. Then, you know, the main um, the main plot is that she goes into the body of a man named Colin Tate, who is played by Christopher Abbott, who I also really, really love. I think he's amazing. I think that he should be nominated, honestly, because not only does he have to play himself, his character, Colin, but he also has to play Tazia as Colin, which is really, really weird. And he does it so well. And shit just kind of goes sideways as you know you would imagine if you're inside somebody else's body things probably do not go smoothly all the time there's a lot of body horror there's a lot of really abstract imagery it's very colorful there's a lot of yellows and reds and blues it's really visually stunning and I think the first time I watched it I was so taken by the visuals and by the brutality of a lot of it that I didn't fully understand the plot, but I didn't give a shit. I was just like, that was fucking dope. I loved that. And then the second time I watched it, knowing how everything, what happened, I was able to follow the story way more from like point A to point B and be like, oh, I totally understand everything that's happening and the visuals just add to it. So I think Possessor is, in my opinion, the best horror film of the year. You can rent it for $1.99 on Prime or on YouTube, I highly recommend. If you like anything by David Cronenberg, you're probably gonna like this because Brandon Cronenberg has taken his dad's style and kind of done his own thing with it. And 
I am very, very excited to see what he does next. I think it's excellent. And I think that you should rewatch it, Anya, because I know that you liked it but didn't love it, right? Yes. I mean, in general, like, I don't even know what, I mean, like, I don't really have an explanation as to why. I mean, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was a bad movie. Um, I already said, because you loved it so much, that I, hopefully when the world someday goes back to whatever the new normal is, or we can see other people, um, that we can watch it together. Um, and maybe watching it with you will give me an even greater appreciation. Um, but I do want to say in its favor, like, as you're saying, like, if you're a fan of Cronenberg work, you'll probably really like this. Once again, a fan of sci-fi horror, I feel like you'll really like this. Um, it's really brutal. Like, I remember from the first sequence, I was like, oh my lord, alrighty. Like, they do not hold back with the blood. So if you fuck with that shit too, you will like this. So even though I didn't absolutely adore it, I would not not recommend it. Yeah, and it's also one of those films where they, they kind of just, like, throw you right in from the very first shot. And, and you don't really have a chance to be like, what what's going on? You just have to figure it out. You just have to go with it, ride that wave. You'll get it eventually. And I like stories that kind of just plop you down in the middle and they're like, you're just immersed in this world now and you got to put the pieces together. I like that. I don't want it to be like very standard, like exposition shot of a city and then people. Like, no, just give me the, the action. and I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll get there. So my fourth pick is one that I found much later in the year, but I'm so happy that I did. It is a film called Alone. So it stars... Um, Mark Menchaca, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, I believe he is in Ozark, which I have not watched, but I've been meaning to for a while. But I know him from the 2020 series, miniseries The Outsider on HBO. Um, it also stars Anthony Held um, from The Silence of the Lambs and X-Men Last Stand. Um, and newcomer, from what I saw, I don't know that she's really been in anything else or anything huge, uh, is Jules Wilcock. She is the lead of the movie. It is directed by John Hyams. Um, this movie essentially is, it's very simple. It follows this woman. She is moving from her old house or apartment, whatever the fuck it is, to a new place. She's doing it by herself. So she's driving with all her shit in her car by herself. They don't really reveal right away, like, why she's moving. Um, but, you know, it's clearly something that's a little emotional for her. And while she's driving on the road, she essentially, I don't want to spoil anything about this movie, but essentially, while on the road, she meets this strange man. Um very like giving you um Ted Bundy I'm a man in need you know my arms busted mm -hmm. vibes um and essentially like as any woman would do she's cautious she's put in the situation which many women are and it's very easy to say you know well I would just do this but when you're in it and it's happening to you and you're like I could die like I don't know I think that movie captures really well because you know she's in situations where this guy is approaching her oh he just wants to talk you know could you just help me and her having to be like I don't want to be mean because if I'm mean to this guy what if he kills me but also I don't want to get out of my car and help this man because what if he kills me um so essentially it becomes her trying to get away from this man and then stranded out here alone with this guy um, having to then fight for her life. I don't want to give anything huge away. It's hard not to. So that's all I'll say about the plot. But what I will say overall about it is the experience for me was incredibly anxiety inducing. Um, this is a movie that I would categorize as survival horror and some people might be thinking well isn't all horror survival horror in a sense because you're trying to survive it but for me survival horror is usually a story in which somebody is like the title suggests completely alone somewhere and like essentially like there is no like killing people off until we get to a final girl or a final boy or a final they um it's just um 
they are there from the jump by themselves and they have to survive. Like something I think of a great example of survival horror, it's not even a movie, is um, the video game Alien Isolation, which I think is one of the best video games I've ever seen, ever. Something like that, I think. So this is what that makes me feel like. Um, and what I will say about it is like from the start, you if you kind of know where it's going. And I don't mean that as a bad thing because I think that's something that's really important to address is like, especially with horror, is like you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. You don't. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You don't have to be a fucking scream every time for it to be a good horror movie. If you do do something like that that's really incredibly new or original or whatever and it's done well, fuck yes. I want that. I love that. But even if you take something like this, it's it's very much like a, a th- it's a thriller that you've seen. Not I don't want to say you've seen before, but like it is very familiar in a lot of ways. But it's done so well that it doesn't matter it's still a really good movie. I think it captures the fears of being a woman so well, especially a woman alone, especially in a situation where you are with an unfamiliar man. A movie that, um, and I'll address this really quickly, that is not, we're not going to talk about today only because we have a solo episode on it already. So Alex and I are not talking about Scare Me or Host today, even though those are in our tops of the year. Only because we have, they're so good that we gave them solo episodes. So we highly recommend you listen to those as well. Also huge picks for the year. But we wanted to give some time to other movies as well, which is why we didn't pick those. But Scare Me is another great example of doing this, of like truly capturing the fear of being a woman alone with an unfamiliar man in an unfamiliar setting. Like, so I I love that shit. Um, Not that I love it in real life, but I love to see it displayed. Um... Because it's like, yeah, that's exactly, that's it. Um, you know, it, it, once again, it builds tension so well, so effectively. Um, it, it just, it's very simple, but it works so well. Um, so I would highly recommend, this one unfortunately is not streaming as far as I'm aware currently, but you can rent it. I don't have a price on it. I would say probably it's $3.99 to rent on Prime or YouTube or one of those. Um, highly recommend. It was one that I kind of like saw in a few top, you know, horror lists of the year. And I was like, mm, okay, haven't heard anything about this. Let me look at it. Watched it. Was so happy that I did. Cannot recommend enough that is my fourth pick yeah I watched this a few days ago and I enjoyed it I think yeah it, it definitely taps into the anxieties of being a woman and also that anxiety of like the stranger on the road that won't leave you alone because I have personally been in multiple situations where like men in trucks have just decided to harass me because they're fucking small dicked assholes and they want to like you know fucking puff up their chest and so that's always so scary where it's like I don't know you I need you to leave me alone and it also really plays into that whole like gaslighting thing that men can do where they're like oh you don't want to help me what do you not care about people like are you a selfish bitch and it's like no I'm gonna take a step back and I'm not and I don't give a shit about being rude or impolite because I need to worry about my safety first and foremost so yeah I, I think it's very well acted I really like um the male actor from the outsider i know him from a few other things i really really enjoy him um and she was great too i did not i don't know her from anything but i thought she was excellent um yeah i mean it's it's very it's very basic it's very simple it's a story you've seen before but it's it's done very effectively it gave me quite a lot of anxiety so i think that's a good choice all right for my last pick for 2020 horror films it is a movie <laughs> that for some reason I am obsessed with and I really feel like I'm alone in that I think a lot of people I've talked to about it liked it but they're like 
okay, chief, like, it's not that fucking good. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's so funny to me that this is the one that you pick. It's your top film of the year. Shut the fuck up. Don't call me out like that. Listen. It's Bitch, just it's... <laughs> Listen, it's just because the first time I watched it, I was like, that was really good. Like, I was really surprised with how much I liked that. Like, I I didn't know I was going to like it that much. And then it was a movie that I watched. I think I watched about 15 movies that weekend. It was over Thanksgiving break. Um because Greg had gotten a bunch of screeners and that was the movie that I kept thinking about and I was like I have to watch it again and on the second viewing I was like I fucking love this film um so the movie that I'm talking about is The Rental it is directed by Dave Franco it is his very first feature film um this film it lives rent-free in my mind I am obsessed with it Christine bought it for me for Christmas thank you Christine um so this film stars there's four stars of this film. It is Dan Stevens, who plays Charlie. Yes! Anya's boy. Dan Stevens <laughs> plays Charlie. He is married to Allison Bree's character, Michelle. His brother is played by Jeremy Allen White, who plays Josh. And then Josh's girlfriend, Mina, played by Sheila Vand, who you might know from A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, so it's the four of them. It's two couples. Uh, the two boys are brothers and also Mina is Dan Stevens work partner so they're all kind of interconnected they're like really good friends they're all all their lives are meshed so after closing a really big deal uh, between Mina and Charlie they at their job they're like you know what we should go on a getaway for the weekend the four of us should go just celebrate and have a nice relaxing week before we have to do like a ton of work so they get an airbnb of this gorgeous house on these cliffs this water it's really really beautiful it's expensive but it's amazing and they decide to have the weekend there there's already some tension on the ride up as mina who is middle eastern has you know said well she had tried to get it and her her request was denied but then charlie who's a white man had requested it and immediately got accepted so there's already some tensions where they think maybe the homeowner is racist he's problematic and upon meeting him you know, there's a lot of other things that they're like, oh, this guy seems pretty shitty. I don't trust him. And that kind of is the groundwork for the film. And then it just follows the four of them on their weekend. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of secrets and lies and betrayals that happen. It's essentially just a really, really well-made family drama for the first two-thirds of the film. And then the third act, I'm not going to say anything that happens because I'm not a spoiler, but the third act is a huge tone shift. And I know it's where a lot of people kind of lose a little bit of interest or like, oh, I don't really like that. For me, what happens in the third act is such a specific fear that I have that it terrified me. Not so much when I was watching it, although I will say that there are a couple of really, really great jump scares in the third act. But after I've watched it, just the thought of the co- the concept of what happened fucking terrified me. And I'm still terrified about it because it's so real and it's something that could really happen. And it's so, I mean, listen, I am like a huge horror true crime person. So I am like constantly afraid of things like what happens. Um, and so for me, it's just very, very effective. Um I think it's also beautifully shot. The director of photography is uh, Christian Sprenger, who also is the DP for Glow and Atlanta. So if you've seen either of those shows, it has a very similar like aesthetic. It's very blue and foggy and gorgeous. The acting is all amazing because they're all great actors. They all have amazing chemistry together. 
The writing is great. I think Dave Franco really understands the tropes and cliches of horror and he really, really plays into them in ways that like I had so many theories throughout this film where I was like this is absolutely what's happening he said that line because that's going to come back up later and it was always just a fucking trick he was always just like one step ahead of me and I love that shit he he really really understands the genre and coming from somebody like Dave Franco who is a mostly comedic actor I was very surprised that he understood the genre so well um so yeah the rental is you know a really great drama and then a really really spooky time if you ask me I highly recommend it to everybody I think that if you go in blind that's probably the best way because that's what I did and I was very very taken aback by how much I enjoyed it it is unfortunately not currently streaming anywhere for free but you can either be bougie and rent it for $9.99 on Prime or it's available for $3.99 on Voodoo and um watch the fucking rental because I'm demanding it yeah, I mean, I don't want to get it twisted. I don't think it's embarrassing or anything that you like the <laughs> rental so much. I watched rental before you did because I'm Dan Stevens' whore and I'll watch anything that he's in. Um, and I will say, as a directorial debut, Dave Franco does an incredible job. I want to say that first off. Thank him so much for giving me Dan Stevens in a hot tub. Christ. Thank you, fucking Dave Franco. Um, yeah, I mean, I found the first half of the movie so effective. I was in it because like you're saying like there is so much there's drama under the surface within these like intertwined relationships shit comes out there's secrets to be kept and you are like enthralled you're like oh fuck and then there is a moment I want to say probably it's like near the end of act two beginning of act three where like something happens where you're like okay shit's gonna really hit the fan now and it was at that point that like it didn't go the way that, and this is on me. Like, it's like, you know, the movie's going to work for some people. It's not going to work for other people. It didn't go the way that I, not even expecting it, but I felt like I wanted it to. Um, it definitely, as you said, there's definitely a tonal shift. There's a lot of brutality, which is going to work for some people. And even in some scenes, like in certain moments, I was like, oh my God, like it got me. It just overall, that ending was not my favorite. Um, but by no means do I think it was a bad movie. Um, I think, it, like you're saying, it clearly it fucking worked for you. Like, it's your favorite movie of the year. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good movie. Great performances all around. Yeah, I think what you're saying, I completely understand and respect anybody that feels that way, where it's like, this is not the way I would have wanted this film to turn out. But for me, because it, it does come kind of out of left field, I felt like that puts you even more in the perspective and in the shoes of the characters because in, you're finding out everything that's happening at the exact same moment that they are, which makes it so much more frightening for me because it's not like I'm watching and I know what's going on the whole time, but they don't. Like, I don't know what's going on until they know. And so the fear and like reactions that are expelled from them mirror my reactions and it puts me more into it. So that's why I really, I was like, oh yeah, fuck this. I love this shit so much. Oh, when it's also just like one of my fears. I wish I could talk about it in depth because I have a lot to say about it. But, you know, you can always DM me. We can talk about it. So, yeah, those are my full five. That's it for me. Oh, my goodness. Well, my last one, I'm really excited to talk about for one big reason. Um, my last pick um, is Run. It is streaming on Hulu. Um, it stars Sarah Paulson. Y'all know her. It's got... Um, Pat Healy, who um, you might know from The Innkeepers if you're a horror fan. Um, and then a breakout star. What a fucking queen. 
Her name is Kira Allen. I'm going to get to her in a second. But it's directed by Anish. Oh my god, you might know how to pronounce his name, Alex, but I am going to botch it probably. Um, directed by Anish Chiganti? I don't know. Oh, oh, from Searching. Yes, he's the director of Searching, which is a film that came out maybe two years ago now, and I thought it was a, a great film. Um, so I feel like this movie really solidified him as like a really good thriller director. Um, but essentially the premise of the film, you might have all seen it, it was like heavily advertised, um, is essentially there is Kira Allen's character who is a wheelchair user and her mother is Sarah Paulson. Um, and essentially like supposedly Kira has all of these ailments and Sarah Paulson has had to take care of her whole life. Um, and Kira's getting ready to go off to college. And at this, this culminating moment in her life when she's finally possibly going to go out on her own, she starts to discover things um secrets perhaps that have been kept from her about her mother about herself about her her conditions um once again I don't want to give anything away I mean if you want to watch the trailer do that I would just suggest to watch the movie because I'm recommending it instead um but essentially from there it becomes a thriller this girl is trying to essentially find out the truth, keep herself safe. I, like, I truly cannot say anything without giving anything away. Although, like, you know, you might have already put shit together. Um, but, you know, wh- what I'll say before I get to the thing I really want to talk about is, like Alone, once again, um, it is a very, um, a, a very straight, not, I don't want to say straightforward, but, like, a lot, a lot of the twists might feel um, predictable to you if you're someone that watches a lot of thrillers or you're familiar with the genre. But I never felt, even as someone that I went into it and I was like, yeah, I might have been able to predict a good amount of these or whatever. Once again, it is done, in my opinion, so well and it's very effective that it doesn't take away from the film. I wasn't sitting there with my arms crossed and huffing being like, saw that, saw that. Like even if I was like, in my head, I was like, "Uh, you know what, I bet it's this. And then it was this. I was like, okay, yeah, I was right. I'm still invested. It's still being done really well. So I think... Once again, solid tension building. Um, the big thing I want to talk about this film is Kira Allen is actually a wheelchair user in real life. And that is incredible to see because so often, first of all, people with disabilities just are not seen on screen. When was the last time you saw a fucking person with disabilities as the final girl? You can't even think of it because it hasn't happened. Like, so uh, that in general. But then you have it played by someone who lives that life authentically like she is a wheelchair user in real life they're not putting somebody in a wheelchair having this play this role and that's so critical because it goes back to representation people with disabilities there's so much wrong with how they're represented in the media like you know they follow tropes of being like people see them as asexual or savants and things like that and they're all problematic in their own ways so to see this this girl who is a real wheelchair user in real life and she's badass in this movie. Like, she is maneuvering this fucking wheelchair around turns. Like, you know, running away from shit, whatever. Like, she's in full survival mode. It's it's incredible. And I already liked the movie. And then when I found out afterwards, because there's a part of this, like, uh, I really hope that they cast somebody that, like, you know, actually is a wheelchair user. And when I found out they did, I was like, you know, it shouldn't be something that we have to applaud. It should be something that they do in general. But unfortunately, that's not the way Hollywood is currently, and it's something that needs to change. But I was reading an article where they said that Anish, like, was determined that they were going to get an actress that was a wheelchair user. And I'm so glad that they did. Uh, from what I read, this is Kira Allen's, like, first role in anything. I think she was still possibly in, like, acting school or in college or one of those things when she got cast. 
because then she like essentially like told her friends like she didn't tell them what she was doing she wasn't like oh, i'm gonna go be in a sarah paulson movie she was just like oh i have like you know an opportunity or a project and then obviously when shit came out after they filmed it and it was being released it was like oh my god i was in a sarah paulson thriller that's gonna be released on hulu um but I just think it's so incredible, this representation. I mean, to see a wheelchair user as a final girl, I think I read in the article that the last time and only other time that happened was back in, like, the 40s in some thriller that I don't know off the top of my head what the name of it is. I'm sure you can search it and it will come up. But, like, th- the fact that that hasn't happened since the 40s, like, it goes back to things we said before in this podcast. Like, there is such a need for diversity and representation. And that includes people of color, people with disabilities, people of different sexualities, people of different gender identities, like, all of it. All of it. So, like, that, you know, placing it in a movie that was already good made it so much better for me. I was just, like, so happy to know that. So, she does an amazing job for a first-time actress on, like, her first big role. She's incredible. She outperforms Sarah Paulson. I'm not trying to be shady to Miss Sarah Paulson. I'm really not. But, like, if I'm just being point-blank period honest, she does. Um... And yeah, I would recommend. It's right on Hulu. If you don't have Hulu, I'm sure you can rent it somewhere. I'm sure it's available. Um, Highly recommend. That's really interesting. I didn't know that she was a wheelchair user when I watched it. Um, That's really good to know. I I liked Run. I didn't love Run. um, But I like it more knowing that there was representation, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible representation. Um, I I cannot wait to see what she does next. I think she truly is a great actress. Like, she did, a, like, literally knowing after the fact she had been in nothing else, really, I was like, oh, my God. What an incredible first role. What an incredible performance. Um, so I cannot recommend enough. And that is the end of my list of recommendations. Yay! Yay! So as we said prior, um, we did not talk about Scare Me or Host. Um, not because they're not in our tops. They most certainly are. Um, fucking loved both of them um we have individual episodes on both of them obviously one with actor writer director josh rubin shout out um so yeah highly recommend listening to those and watching both of those um but next let's move on to something so i want to preface this this is the thing i didn't talk about at the beginning but with any year with any genre with any movie in any time in life really there's gonna be movies you watch that you don't like you don't care for and something that I've had to start to learn to do is listen I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna say I like something if I didn't I'm not gonna blow smoke up anybody's ass but I don't think a lot of times it can be incredibly constructive to just like sit and shit on something because at the end of the day something like I truly have to be better about and I recognize with myself is to respect the fact that like people did put time and work into in the things that you see end of the day there are movies this year in the horror genre that alex and i didn't care for but so to kind of twist it to become a more positive thing instead of taking the time to pick out one of those movies and sit here and talk about why we didn't like it or be negative about it we took a movie that was released this year that we possibly didn't really care for didn't like and we're going to recommend you a different movie directed by the same director that we would recommend you watch instead Um, So to promote this person's work that maybe we feel more confident promoting than something else they did this year. So Alex, do you want to start us off with your pick? Sure. I am going to say a little bit about why I didn't like the film. I will not be an asshole about it, but um, I will be explaining why I chose it. Um, So the film from 2020 that I did not particularly care for 
was a January release. It was the first thing I saw in theaters this year, and it was The Grudge, um, simply because do we need another adaptation of The Grudge? No. Honestly, Juwan is an incredible horror film. It's an amazing Japanese horror, and I recommend Juwan to everybody. And then even the Sarah Michelle Gellar remake from like early 2000s is not great, but like I think I had fun with it. I didn't need another version of The Grudge. What I will say in its favor is that I really do admire the ambition that went into it. It really had a unique structure to it where it wanted to follow multiple storylines um, and in a non-linear way. So like, I really think that there was, there was some good ideas presented and there was a lot of intent behind it. But I'm going to say probably because this is his big first his first big studio release, the studio and the production company probably had a lot to do with why it didn't end up working out the way that I think he probably meant it to. Um, So, you know, I don't recommend checking out another remake of The Grudge that wasn't really very good. But what I will recommend is the very first film directed by Nicholas Pache, which he also wrote, and it is called The Eyes of My Mother, It is a 2016 film. It's in black and white. Um, I don't want to tell you too much about it because I went into it blind and I think it's so much more effective if you go in not really knowing what you're going to get. So all I'm going to say about it is that, like I said, it's a 2016 film. It's an hour and 16 minutes. It's very quick. It's in black and white. Um, It's a very slow burn. It's very subtle, but then it gets vicious it gets so brutal and I'm just going to read the basic plot from IMDb that doesn't really give anything away but it kind of sets you up so you know what you're getting into it says in their secluded farmhouse a mother a former surgeon teaches her daughter Francesca anatomy and life and death are not to be feared one afternoon a mysterious visitor shatters the ideal of their family life and deeply traumatizes Francesca but also awakening curiosities so it's a It's not a movie for the weak of stomach, I would say. It's definitely um, visually brutal at times um, and emotionally brutal. It like really fucked with me, but I thought it was incredibly made, incredibly shot, very well acted, and it's super, super quick. Uh, So yeah, I highly recommend The Eyes of My Mother. It is available on Prime and on Tubi, so I think you should check it out. You know what's so funny about that is that The Eyes of My Mother, when I was in my, had to be my sophomore year, sophomore year of college was the first film I got to review when I was writing for the like online entertainment publication for our school. Um, And I remember like, I like picked it, I was like, oh, it's a horror film. And they would like send me like a screener code so I could watch it. And I felt like so bougie. Um, And I remember like in my review, I was like dropping all these like other horror titles to try to like flex on these hoes. Um, So it always holds a special place in my heart. Um, But great pick. My pick, maybe it'd be a little bit of a cheat, but um, William Brent Bell, director, um, he released The Boy 2 this year. Oh, I Um, didn't know you were doing this. Ooh. Oh, yes. well, <laughs> I'll tell you off the mic why I picked this one later. Okay. Um, but he was the boy too. And you know what? Sometimes sequels don't work. Babe, we know this. It's all right. Because I'm going to recommend William Brett Bell's The Boy instead. <laughs> which is a great recommendation because if you haven't seen The Boy, why would you watch The Boy too? Why would you do that? Why? 
Um, and if you've seen The Boy, why not just rewatch The Boy? Just do that. <laughs> um, uh, the Boy is so funny to me because it's, like, one of those movies that, like, I do not think in any sense is highly regarded. Um, I'm not saying it's a masterpiece, um, but... I remember it was on Netflix for a period of time, and me and Bridget one night, we were like, LOL, let's watch The Boy. Like, why not? Why not? And we put it on. It was, like, just the two of us up late in our house. Um, and we were – it was, like, one of the things where you put it on and then, like, cut to, like, 20 minutes later, and you're, like, in like zoned the fuck in. Like, we were in it. And, like, if you don't know what The Boy is about um, – it's essentially like this woman comes to be a nanny for a child and finds out that the child is actually this like porcelain doll named Brahms. So she's like, LOL, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And the family's like dead serious. This old couple, they're like, this is our son. <laughs> and she's like, um, okay. So then like they give her this list of rules. Like there can't be guests. You have to like kiss him goodnight. Like all this crazy shit. And she kind of was like at first like kind of like, lol whatever about it and then as time goes on it would appear that Brahms is doing things on his own so she gets fucking freaked but then convinced that the soul of this couple's dead son is now living in the doll um and where you think it's going it's not going like I know when this shit happened, I will not give anything away but there is a twist with all these movies there is there was a twist it was in no fucking way what I thought it was going to be. I was hollering. Um, it's a specific thing that I know freaks Alex out a lot, and we cannot talk about it without giving it away. Um, but I do remember when it happened. I remember it was late at night, and it was like, I shit you not, like, 3 in the morning we were up watching this. And our doorbell rang. Ugh. Like, seconds before this twist happens. Or it might have been, like, literally as it was happening. So we were freaked me and Bridget so we pause the movie and we're like looking and we have like big bay windows at the front of our house and we couldn't see anybody but of course we're like what if they're like right around the corner and we like stand up and they see us like well, I'm telling you clear as day I heard this fucking doorbell like clear as fucking day and we were freaked the fuck we're like what the fuck and like never once has there been an issue where like oh the doorbell like is is you know a little screwy it goes off on its own or like if there's a gust of wind it'll go off like no none of that shit that's never happened Never happened. Hasn't happened since. So, of course, then I'm, like, crawling army style, like, arms and on my knees. I get a fucking, like, knife from the butcher block. <laughs> I crawl arms and knees past the fucking bay windows, past the front door, run to my parents' room. I, like, wake my father up, like, standing over him with a knife. And I'm like, <laughs> somebody rang the doorbell. And he, like, of course, gets up. There's nobody there. So then I'm like, so, of course, my parents are like, stop fucking around, blah, blah. So I was like, I'm not fucking around. Somebody is there. And so, of course, we're, like, freaked for the rest of the movie. We watch it. We, like, go to bed, whatever. And then when I rewatched it, I want to say, like, maybe last year. It might have been this year. Honestly, this year was so fucking long I don't even remember anymore. Um, I was, like, when that scene happened, I was, like, I have to pay so close attention. I'm going to listen to see if there's something in the movie that's a doorbell sound, that's anything like it. Because maybe I heard it and tricked myself into thinking it was our doorbell. Nope. Not a sound at all like that. So to this day, I don't know what the fuck kind of demons are trying to get up in my house at 3 a.m., but no, ma'am. And the other sad fact that I just realized the other day is the last movie that I saw in theaters was uh, The Boy 2. So I'm going to beg Jesus Christ Almighty, please, please let let the idiots stop ruining this for all of us. Let this fucking coronavirus 
see an end and let theaters open again so I can see something else. Please. Um, but yeah, my recommendation is The Boy with my little bitch Brahms. Wow, I will say that first and foremost, no no one coming to your door at 3 a.m. is ever going to be anything positive. There's no reason for somebody to come to your door in the middle of the night and have it be something good. It's always going to be something bad that's that's a huge fear of mine. I mean, I'm just in general terrified of like home invasion. Like so, like I check my fucking windows and my door like four times a night. I'm so afraid of it. And that's just like some stranger shit. Like do not ring my fucking doorbell in the middle of the night. I will not fuck with that. Uh-uh. But. Oh yeah. The, You're not going to get me on some cause you were home mm-hmm. shit. No, 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 no. No. The boy is a very fun choice. Greg and I actually saw it in theaters um, at AMC and I, I enjoy the boy. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the twist, when it happened, I have a very, like, is a very specific thing that happens where if something visually just, like, repels me so much, it makes me, like, nauseous. It makes me, like, gag. Not because it's, like, gory or anything, just because it's just, like, so creepy. And the twist in the boy made me fucking, like, heave in the movie theater. I was like, ugh, I hate that. I hate that so much. But I also love it, you know? It's very rare for me for me to have those moments, but the boy did it for me, which, you know, immediately puts it as, like, a thumbs-up film for me. Oh, the boy. Yeah, it's, it's much better than any trailer or anything would lead you to believe. Yeah, um, the boy. But, the boy, baby, the Brahms, baby. Um... Now, for our last part, um, we're going to kiss this dumb, ugly bitch 2020 goodbye. And we're going to look forward to 2021 that I know that some of you are already saying, bitch, it's probably going to be a lot of the same. And I know this, but I'm not listening to you. I will not hear it. Um, so we're going to focus on the positive, And we're each going to give a film that we are excited for the release of it and to see it in 2021. Once again, Alex, I will let you start. Okay. There are actually multiple films but so it was difficult for me to pick just one I am gonna cheat slightly because a film that would have been in my top five if it had actually come out this year is a movie that I got to see in April when Greg got a screener for it and it was slated to come out in April but because of the pandemic it got pushed to next year which is Saint Maud and I thought it was very very well done it's a super slow burn the last 10 minutes fucking turned the heat up and actually there is a jump scare in Saint Maud that made me gag and it was so terrifying to my to my eyes that Greg kept rewinding it and making me look at it again because it was so it like it made me want to die I hated the image of it so much um so absolutely you should check out Saint Maud when it comes out next year but that's my trick that's not my pick because I've I've, I've already seen it so the one that I am most excited for don't come at me, please. Because I am so Why excited. I come at you? Not you, just the people. Oh. I am most excited for Spiral, the uh, Chris Rock version of Saw, because I am a Saw bitch. I fucking love Saw. I love Lee Winnell. Listen, I recognize that 5, 6, and 7 are trash, even though I have seen them many times. Jigsaw came. It was a pleasant surprise. I really enjoyed it. And I... I just think that Chris Rock can do something really creative and new with Saw, and I'm so fucking ready for it. I cannot wait. Saw has been a movie that has been in my life for a long time. I remember watching the trailer for it on TV with my dad and being like, that looks so amazing. I can't wait to see it. And my dad just like slowly turning to me and telling me I'm sick. And I realized that that movie came out in 2004, which means I was 12. So yeah, I'm sure if as a parent, my 12 year old was like, that movie looks incredible. I would be like, 
oh boy. Um, so I, I get it. I'd be a proud parent. I'd be like, <laughs> I know. But, but yes, it does. I was like, I was a cool ass kid. Um, but I, yeah. So since I was 12, Saw has been like a huge part of my life. I used to see it every year in theaters with my cousin. It was like a really big thing. I've seen them all so many times. I just, it's so my, it's so my shit. So Spiral is something I am very, very excited for. I cannot wait for it to come out. I was deeply depressed that it did not get a release date this year. But I, I will be in theaters when it is safe, and I will be seeing it immediately. I mean, in a perfect world, we'll be seeing it together. I mean, I'm also excited for Spiral. Um, because I think, like you said, I think Chris Rock is going to bring something new to it that's really exciting. Something I've noticed is just, like, in general, when you take people that are not necessarily known for the genre and you give them reins over it, we've gotten a lot of good shit out of it. When you think about Jordan Peele, if you think about um, Danny McBride and I think somebody else that did the new Halloween movie, uh, Dave Franco, yeah, like, I mean, like, it, there's a lot of people that I feel like they were almost like closeted horror fans that are now like coming out and we're like except we're like yes and then they give us some really good shit we're like why the fuck were you not here from the start um so hopefully Chris Rock is another example of that um my pick like you're saying there's so much coming out I mean I can't wait to see Saint Maude I know you've seen it you haven't spoiled anything because you're a good friend um you know, there's so much coming out that I, you know, big releases like Halloween. I think it's Halloween Ends is the next one. Um, I thought it was The Conjuring Three. I don't know which maybe, one it is. Maybe it might I'm be wrong. Kills. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. One of them uh, is coming out. Um, you know, there's shit like the the Wrong Turn remake that's coming out or reimagining. There's um fucking The Conjuring Three. The Devil Made Me Do It, and that name is not the best, but I gobble up those Conjuring movies. Daddy Patrick Wilson. Um, but I was like, you know what? There's so many big releases that I could highlight, but I want to highlight something that's smaller that's coming out that probably not a lot of people have heard of, and I'm really excited for it. And it's a movie called Psycho Goreman. I don't um, know what that it is. It is directed by. I'm going to tell you. And you can watch the trailer. The trailer has been released. Um, by director's name, once again, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, Stephen Kostansky. Actually, that's not that bad. I could do that one. Stephen Kostansky. He probably is best known by horror fans for the film The Void, which is one that I've seen and I've been re- meaning to revisit because I don't remember enough of it. Um, and I can't remember where I stood on it. But at the very least, it was very visually interesting and wild. Psycho Gorman, the premise i will read the little synopsis is siblings mimi and luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord using a magical amulet they force the monster to obey their childish whims and accidentally and accidentally attract a rogue a rogues gallery of intergalactic assassins to small town suburbia um the poster for this that is currently on letterboxd is so fun um this dude looks like fucking jeepers creepers from space um this little girl that's the lead just seems so funny to me and just the premise of like it kind of reminds me of like the grim adventures of billy and mandy where they have this huge dark evil force that for some reason is like under these two children's control and has to do whatever the fuck they ask i mean i was a huge grim adventures of billy and mandy fan it's iconic actually now that i say it i'm probably gonna go and rewatch the entire series if i can find it somewhere um but i'm really excited for it i mean i think like i said like most you're a huge horror fan you didn't even hear about it so like i think it's one that i want to give some love to early on i'm definitely going to be eagerly awaiting the release i'm going to pray to jesus christ that maybe shutter picks it up um that would be really fun um but yeah that is my 2020 release that i'm really excited for 2021 2021 god damn this year is d- destroying me um, i could definitely i could yeah, see shutter picking that up for sure 
yeah, they're pretty good about picking up some good, like, uh, indie horror releases. Um, yeah. I would like to also just throw out there really quick, because I thought maybe, I thought it was going to be your pick, and it wasn't, that I'm also super fucking stoked for Candyman. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, that was another big one that I was like, oh, I'm definitely excited for it, but it's a huge release, so I want to give, you know, some small, but I'm, I was so, that was when I was, that, was, that I mean, Promising Young Woman did end up coming out, but, like, I can't watch it until January, because that's when it's going to be available for home rental, um, but that one and Candyman were the two that I was like, God, why can't I have them now? Um, so ex- the Candyman trailer where it's like, I know. I know it's based off a certain like art, but it's like the paper cutouts. I'm, excuse me that I don't remember what it is, but I'm sure it's on YouTube if you look it up. It's, it's so good. I was like this, if you could give an award to a trailer, this is the best trailer I've seen in the last like fucking 10 years. Yeah. I'm a huge Candyman fan. So I am so fucking excited to see a reimagining of it. Oh, so excited. Oh, uh, well, that concludes our 2020 wrap up. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you inspired you to go so, seek out some some horror maybe that missed, missed your radar. Um, we are, as always, thankful that through this year when we began this podcast, we've had you all along for the ride, that you've supported us, that you've enjoyed us, um, that you've at least done us a service and, you know, put us on in the background while you did something else. Maybe you didn't even listen. But, you know, we appreciate anything. Um Here's to hoping for even more fun that we can bring you guys in the new year. Um, and just that overall, you all have a happy new year. I know it's been a tough year for a lot of people um, for many reasons. I mean, it might have already been a tough year for you and then everything that happened didn't make anything any easier. Um, but we can hope that, you know, maybe listening to us be dumb little idiots for a few hours at a time made some days a little easier. If it didn't, I mean, once again, thank you for listening anyways. Um <laughs> But yeah, I hope that 2021 is brings even if only a sliver of of light to what has been a very very dark several months um or nearly a whole year. Um Alex, I don't know if there's anything you want to say to close out. Ditto. Ditto. So, as always, so grateful to have horror, to be a horror fan, so grateful for what is to come in horror in 2021, um, and so grateful for all of you that listen. Uh, I hope you have a happy new year. We'll be releasing this on New Year's Eve, so happy New Year's Eve. I hope you have a wonderful and safe celebration. And, as always, keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.